Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 526. Mr. Savage. The old Derby Prep Huzzah! Man, what a... what! I wish there was a sequence where we could have just done like a coast-to-coast derby yeah. preps and you throw in the Martha Washington, which is an Oaks prep. Like, that would have been awesome, but that requires people being nice and playing along, and that's just not horse racing. I don't know if I would want to play that. Then we'd have to pick the Southwest. We'd have to deal with the, the Robert B. Lewis. We'd end up with a couple Bafferts here and there. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with I think this is a good sequence. I, the, the key here, I mean, obviously we're doing Gulfstream Park here, so it's all about uh, fierceness in the last and what you do with them. Do you single them or do you try and beat them? How do you structure your ticket around it? Uh, that's the big question mark there. If you beat them, I mean, it, it's exponentially more valuable. But you were saying this prior to getting on here. Man, it doesn't feel like the best of the best came to take them on this spot. No, no. It's, uh, it's like everybody's scared of fierceness. I mean, even... Uh, Seminole Chief, who I didn't think was going, I don't think many people really thought he had a chance to beat Fierceness anyway, but for over a month, his trainer, Jack Citrusson, has been saying he's, this, he's a Florida bred. We're targeting the Holy Bull, target the Holy Bull, target the Holy Bull. Holy Bull comes around, we're going to the Withers, because that one looks winnable. <laughs> yeah. Like, everybody's just scared. Well, it, it's tough, because, like, this would be the time to get Fierceness, too. You're coming off a long layoff. We know Pletcher likes his three-race progression, so you run here, you run in the Florida Derby, you run in the, the Kentucky Derby if everything goes well. And this is you know, also a situation where Fierceness already is in the lead in the point system as well. He's already got 30 points. He doesn't need to be fully cranked for this race. But then you look at, at what showed up, and you're like, does he need to be like 80%? He still wins by open lengths. Like I, it, it makes it difficult to be like, because I came into this wanting to beat him. And I came out of this being like, okay, I got to play a, a, a larger denomination ticket and shortened up in other races to try and make this thing pay something because I don't think he's losing. Yeah, it's uh, it, I don't think he's losing either. It's it, it yeah. So there you go. We already told you we're single fierceness in the last I mean, one. It's just no you know what this, this will mean line. though. Be, it's three to five in the morning. I don't think anyone's shocked. We're both saying yeah, he's probably going to win. <laughs> Not with that field that showed up against him. I. Uh, I do think this means next weekend Sam F. Davis Stakes is going to be much more competitive than it usually is because uh, change of command pointing to the Sam F. Davis. <laughs> they just they very rightly said no 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 we're not we're not ready to face a uh, you know a grade one champion right now like we're gonna go to the Sam F. Davis. We'll build up to facing him in the Kentucky Derby, hopefully. I mean, take your shots now. I mean, this is the 20-point preps. This isn't even like the big dogs, right? We're not at the 50-pointers, the winning you're in stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that people are so gun-shy here. But it's essentially the mucho macho man with fierceness and a couple other randos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what? Not some randos that we've got to talk about, though. It's an all-stakes late pick five. Uh, I thought it was all graded stakes, but one of them is not the Swale. However, should be a fun sequence. Mike has a press ticket. I almost had a, a $60 ticket for a dollar. I ended up going too deep somewhere, and I'll talk about what I think you could, where I think you could single in that spot as well. But let's get into it, buddy. Fun show at Gulfstream Park, Saturday, February 3rd. Riders up!
All right, here we go. The first leg of the Gulfstream Park Late Pick 5 on Saturday, February 3rd. Race 8 is the Grade 3 Swedish Chant for 8 three-year-old fillies routing a mile in the 16th on the turf course. Where'd you go on top? Well, I went against this horse last time. We we chatted about life as an audible, but I'm going to put life as an audible on top here in this spot. Uh, tough break in the ginger brew last time. So it was 10 out of 10 posts. So we talked about how that post can really... Uh, make it a struggle for horses. I thought Life is an Audible ran phenomenal uh, when you look at everything else that, that the horse had to go through there. Uh, she was hung out four wide on the first turn. She had to go four wide on the second turn, was able to surge up, ran second to Azura, who's a horse that, that I talked about quite a bit, liked quite a bit in that spot. I, I think this is a much better spot with a much better draw for Life is an Audible. So I, I put her on top. I think she's going to be pretty tough in this spot. Yeah, this is, aside from the last leg, of course, this is going to be where we have the most agreement. You went three deep. You, I used all three of your horses plus one other and agree. Life's an audible. Had her on top last time, and uh, at the last second with the scratches, I listened to you and added Ozara. Still didn't hit the ticket, but at least got that one right. Uh, Ozara, kind of the um, the common denominator between her and my second pick that you also used, the number seven, Milliat. Uh, at five to two so we're using the top two choices here but they both i think are deserving miliat much more lightly raced than life's an audible right life's an audible came within half a length of beating hard to justify in the grade two miss grillo that horse went on and won at the breeders cup juvenile phillies turf miliat one race debuts on uh, synthetic at duddalk in ireland then ships to north america made a sisterson barn debut going seven and a half furlongs over this course Rallied from last to get second by a neck behind Ozara that we just talked about there. And I like that we kind of waited. Like, Sisterson was patient. Like, it was a big race, her first race in North America, first time on turf. And he didn't go in to face Ozara in Life's Inaudible. I said, we're going to wait. We're going to go to the Swedish chant here. I don't love that we lost Luis Saez because, he, you know, other than Flavian Pratt, that's my favorite jockey right now. But Ashin Murphy, we talked about it last week with the Pegasus World Cup card. He's showing he can ride. He he started off a little rough, which can be expected, but he can ride. He definitely is a talented turf rider. So, Millet in second. Did you have her in second as well? I did have her in second as well. These were my two must-use. I'm sorry. No, I had her in third, actually. Um, I had someone else in second, but I... I my main concern here is a, the slow break last time and a European horse who Blake slow now has a European jockey. I'm a little worried that that, uh, that could cause an issue here for Miliat, but you said, look, Azar is the benchmark here and this horse comparatively toward life is an audible is closer to Azara than, than life is an audible was. So I felt like you had to use Miliat here. Um, I expected, so I, I handicapped without the morning lines. I expected Miliat to actually be the favorite. Uh, so I'm a little surprised Miliat's a little longer of a price than life is an audible, but Two to one, five to two, uh, six to one, half a dozen the other. So not too shocked about that. I had the six. Uh, dramatic pricing is my second choice here, and the other must use for me. Uh, dramatic pricing, Chad Brown here. It's a horse that actually showed some tactical speed uh, again in the in the de on debut at Aqueduct, going a mile on a 16th that day. The second place finisher, uh, way to be Mr., ends up uh, was five clear of the third place finisher, comes back and wins next time out. I thought this was just a really professional debut from a Chad Brown runner that you don't see that much speed from usually. Like generally Chad Brown runners, especially on debut, they're further back and they're making one big sweeping move. This horse sat in third around the first turn. I thought that was a big a positive sign for. So I had the dynamic uh, pricing in uh, second here. I'm loving the eight to one price. Kind of surprised when I see that on here that you're getting that large of a price on the morning line. Well, and I think it's because we have the two horses we've already talked about in here. You have a proven st uh, stakes horse and then an, uh, actually two proven stakes horses um, who looked very, very good in those efforts. Uh, I had dynamic pricing as well that I used, as I mentioned. I had a fourth, but I, you know, 
I definitely thought she was usable. Uh, one thing I agree with everything that you said. One thing I'll add is that she was closer, and it was a 25, 50, 114. Like they were, they were putting Aqueduct winter dirt times onto the Aqueduct turf course. And so I like the fact that she was able to come home in, in like, I think six and two to get the yep. job done there and, and fought to be up by a nose. And you mentioned Way to Be Marie, second place, was six lengths clear of third place, and she was the next out maiden breaker. So I agree with you on this one. A horse that was actually sixth in that race is the one that I will also be using here. My fourth pick, number three, style points at 15 to one. First of all, you almost never see a Christophe Clement first time starter going two turns, go off at seven to two. Like this horse got bet. Uh, didn't have a great uh, race, but I'm willing to be forgiving. Again, it was a very slow race. I'm willing to be forgiving about that. She was much more tactical last time out during the championship meet at Gulfstream over this course and distance. I thought she showed good spirit, good fight, and that effort got the highest time form figure in the entire field. And again, over the course and distance, to me, I thought that was really stupendous. We're getting Tyler Gaffleone back aboard after last time out at 15 to 1. Very happy to add her onto my ticket. Yeah, I was surprised she wasn't bet in her second race. Uh, if it goes off at, at it five was that and a half bad one. looking. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's kind of wild though. When you see the horse generally when a, a Christoph Clement gets bet first start, and you know, yeah, it wasn't wonderful. But then do you see them come back at Gulfstream after being at Aqueduct? Usually, you're going to get bet in that spot. That horse wasn't. Um, I didn't. I don't love the three here. Clement's actually having a pretty good meet. And he's been. Uh, we all know how good of a trainer he is. I took a long hard look at the five. Makan. Mak. Jesus. Makanga. Makanga. <laughs> And if if look if if I was playing a fifty cent ticket, Makanga would be on it. Makanga was on the fifty cent version when I was putting this together when I was going to try and beat fierceness. Uh, I, these two are your gate to wire threats: the three style points and the five Makanga. I like the five Makanga a little bit better, uh, but look, style points could steal it and has the inside track. We've talked about how being inside speed can be so valuable in these spots. And uh, I I also with style points I get a better not only a better price but I get a much better trainer for this type of position in Christophe Clement than Liz Dobus. No offense to Liz Dobus, but this isn't the championship meet like when the horse broke the maiden gate to wire. Uh, for a bit, I looked at the four Pharaoh's wine because this is where Luis Saez is ending up, and it's a Dale Roman's horse. Usually I like to pass hard on those, but had a nice dominating win at Kentucky Downs going a mile, so the mile and 16 should be within range. Uh, not a terrible effort, and the Jessamine got up for second, was well-beaten second, but fought on to get second place, but I just couldn't really kind of put together the trip that this horse wins with under Louis size. Did you consider the four at all? I did consider the four. This is the other pace factor. And and I think the the workout two back 46 seconds for four furlongs. If Louis Saez, who is the most aggressive of the Gaffleon Saez Velasquez trio, decides, F it, I'm going. <laughs> that's that's the world where Pharaoh's wine wins. Is that that yeah. is like I'm gonna win the I'm gonna win the race of the first turn, and then I'm gonna slow this shit down, and I'm gonna beat everybody to the line. And that to me is the the big thing here is is what happens with three, four, and five, and who do you kind of like? So I don't think you want to use multiple of them unless you're just like screw it. I think this is gonna be a gates wire race. I'm just gonna use the three and I'm gonna leave everybody else off. Um, but I I think that the four Luis Saez, if he wants can really go after it and go for the lead. And if that's the case, I mean, because you, you mentioned, like, we don't have, like, blistering fractions from anyone. Style points last time, 48-2 and two to the half, wasn't in first place. Uh, when uh, when the five went gate to wire, went 47-3. and three. So you, 
think the five is faster than the three. So then the question is, does the four want to send? And if Saez wants to send, I, I think Pharaoh's wine's live. I just don't know what the horse is going to do. And I keep like I keep going back to life as an audible when I was looking through this. And I'm like, look, with a better trip, she's going to be really tough here. And I, I think she gets a better trip because of the post switch from the all the way outside to all the way inside. Should be able to save quite a bit of ground. And I think dynamic pricing just has upside. And so for me, it, it's, it was hard to be like, okay, I'm not going to hit the all button and then use fierceness in the last race because that's just a waste of money. So it's like you got to figure out how you want to play this. And, and to me, it ended up, look, I'm just I'm going to leave off three horses here that I'm, I'm reasonably scared of, depending on how this pace plays out. Uh, I didn't use the two. Madam Mischief, Ed Burke brings up she had traffic issues in the last start. That's true. But two starts back, she didn't have traffic issues and she didn't run any better. And she's kind of facing similar horses. She is facing similar horses here. So um, maybe an underneath horse, but not, neither of us think the two has really got much of a chance to win, right? Doesn't the price seem wrong? Yeah. I mean, 40 to 1, two back, 18 to 1 last time. Are we really sure that, that we should be 8 to 1 this time? I just It seems like a, a pretty drastic price drop for a horse that, that needs a lot to go right to be able to get the job done. Move on, second leg of the late pick five at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, February 3rd. Race nine is the Swale Stakes. We've got uh, nine entered, but it'll be a field of eight going seven furlongs on the dirt. The Rail Horse, your nine to five favorite. Ben Tornado is scratching in favor of the Saudi Derby later this uh, later this month of February. So the prices are definitely going to change come post time for these horses. Who'd you end up going with on top? Well, I would have had Ben Tornado, uh, but he is not running. So I'm going to go to the seven horse, Legalize here. Uh, another speedball. Sherry DeVoe trains this one. Saez gets them out. When uh, when he rides for, they do very, very well. 21% overall and 24 mounts so far in the last two years. The race two back at Churchill, I thought, was a very good win. Uh, and then you come back and you run in the Sugar Bowl last time out for 97,000. And, and wasn't on the lead, but was very close to it. Essentially, the widest of the three speeds, and then able to uh, able to get, take over down the lane and get the job done. That was going six. The race before it was going seven. We're stretching back out to the seven. I don't think that's going to be any issue for this son of Constitution here. Uh, three to one, probably a pipe dream when uh, Ben Tornado is out of here. So I'm guessing this is uh, going to be your favorite, maybe seven to five ish, somewhere in that range. But uh, did like legalize on top. Uh, I'm watching, uh, I'm pulling a U. I'm watching Fairgrounds right now. Uh, Aaron Haltman's best bet of the day for dudes who bet daily at Fairgrounds is trying to break her maiden. She needs to change her leads or this Brad Cox is going to get her. Uh, and she got beat by a Brad Cox horse last time late. I think she's got this one though. So, uh, congratulations. You played the number seven Fairgrounds race eight, Tipsy Tammy, which a really fun name, uh, breaks the maiden. Congratulations to Aaron. Congrats to everybody who bet Tipsy Tammy and followed the show. Uh, for me, Legalize is also my top pick here. I almost singled this horse once I found out Ben Tornado was going to be gone. Uh, already has a win of seven furlongs, so going from six to seven is not a concern. That one loss came on debut in a key maiden, especially at Keeneland that we've already talked about. It's produced three future maiden breakers, multiple stakes placed runners. So I'm with you on Legalize. I went too deep here. I did go with Colorado Cruiser as the other horse here because I think this race is going to be one on the front end. It's either the horse that's leading or the horse that's sitting just off. I think Legalize sits just off of Colorado Cruiser. As a horse, is, you know, it's a major class test, right? First test versus winners. Now he's up in a stakes company. However, you look at who he was facing in California, and I understand why they got the hell out of California. You were losing to Nisos. You are losing to Coach Prime. Both of those horses are, are in the Kentucky Derby prep races. Showed really good fight to break the maiden last out, earning a field-high time form figure in doing so. Now he drops the blinkers for Sisterson. 
Here's the concern I have, and you actually brought it up in the previous race when we were talking about Shane Murphy riding the 7 Milliet, how she's a little slow out of the gate and he's a European jockey. This is a speed horse, and we've got a European jockey on dirt. Shane Murphy can win on dirt. He won the Breeders' Cup uh, distaff a couple of years ago, but not with a speed horse. So I'm very curious to see what this pace ends up being here. So I went 7-2 because I think these are the two best horses on the front end. But there is concern about Ushin Murphy riding Colorado Cruiser. Yeah, I mean, also now on the rail, that's not wonderful. Like, that makes that break so much more important now with the one out. Um, so that, mm -hmm. that was a concern for me as well. Other issue, uh, the seven furlongs. Uh, this horse has been is two for two at six furlongs, 0 for two going six and a half and one mile. And both times, let's say that the last, uh, the end of the race was not friendly to Colorado Cruiser. Uh, really faded off in both those spots. So a little concerned about the seven uh, distance as well here. I, I ended up go 3D pure in this spot too. I I liked the sep, six risk it quite a bit here. Now this is a, an Asusen horse where you could tell they got some uh, Derby fever after that win at Saratoga. It was one of the most impressive wins we saw by two year old all season last year at Saratoga. Goes to the Iroquois in one mile. I thought ran pretty well. Ends up running second to West Saratoga that day. Two races at mile sixteenth, and you know what? They weren't very good. So it's time to cut back to seven furlongs. And that's where I think this horse wants to be anyway. So I'm going to play risk it on the cutback here, getting a 92 price in uh, that I, I assume will drop. But this is a horse that should be able to sit right off the pace and still have some kick. I think the cutback a positive here uh, for the Aston trainee. And then I'm going to go to the other California as my uh, my longer shot price horse here. I'm going to go with Grand Mo the first. Uh, it's a 12 to one shot. Paco taking the ride. Barbosa trains. This one went out to California to run in the Zuma Beach. It's really interesting because you don't see Barbosa do that very often unless he thinks a horse has some big-time upside. Two for two over the Gulfstream Park Synthetic. Showed some speed in both of those, but was able to pass horses as well. I love the running style that we've seen from Grand Mo the first so far. So this is a horse that's been able to sit off the pace, been able to show early speed, and then been able to close last time in the Zuma Beach as well. Was last of eight at the half-mile point, ran, ended up running up to third, endlessly won that race. It's a very good horse. Got some time off. Now we're debuting here as a three-year-old, and Barbosa decides to switch over to the dirt, which I think is an interesting choice. But you look at the breeding. I mean, it's Uncle Mo out of a Giants Causeway mare, so you've, you've got – turf you've got synthetic you've got dirt throughout that entire pedigree so i think grandmo the first is another horse that's going to be able to sit behind the early speed and be able to make a big move here seven furlong shouldn't be an issue so i i'm going to go with the four as well here at 12 to one so you threw me off i was like who's a california horse he's not a california horse he made his first two starts in Gulfstream. don't don't do that to me well, but he, he's trying to confuse me horses who have run in california the reason he went there the, the only reason Barbosa went there is because the Zuma Beach is a Breeders' Cup prep race for the Breeders' Cup. And they ended up putting this horse pre-entering him into the juvenile turf. Mm -hmm. um, he was supposed to get into it, and he got scratched out of it so uh, from as a vet scratch. So that's why he was in California. But he didn't run well against the California. I mean, he got third, but look at who he was racing against. Like, endlessly, Nagano. Like, th those aren't horses that if they're in a, a race in Goldstream Park on the championship meter make you go, yeah! So the one thing you do have going for it, well, two things. You got Paco, who's going to play Paco ball with a horse that's coming from off the pace. It's Barbosa. Now, Barbosa doesn't always do that great in the stakes races, but when Bar Barbosa gets his hands on a horse, it's, it's kind of like a, a dirtier version of Safi getting his hands on a horse. So I understand why you'd go with him there. He is going to be coming from off of it, and he should have, you know, some pace up front to, to close into as far as risk it goes, if this horse wins, I'm going to be so pissed because I chased him 
in the Iroquois, and I chased him in the Kentucky Jockey Club. Finally got off him last out, but if this if this cutback here is what gets it done for him, I'm going to be so mad, because that Saratoga win, uh, aside from fierceness, that was like the, one of the best maiden special weight wins we saw all summer long last year at Saratoga. Well, that's that's why you got to kind of like the cutback here, right? I mean, we're getting back to, we got derby fever, it didn't work out, now we're getting back to what Steve Aspian's actually good at, which is training sprinters. <laughs> The former fantasy owner of Epicenter. How dare you? Uh, but we, we both definitely like legalized, which, by the way, I, this is the horse we were looking at for the fantasy draft. I know Aaron got him in the third round. And if you look at legalized's breeding, you're like, oh, son of Constitution, out of unbridled song mare. He must be a really tiny ass horse. As Shri DeVos said he is a slight horse. He must be tiny for them to not stretch this horse out to two turns yet. I mean, this is like, I keep waiting for it to happen. It's like, you should love two turns. And she seems scared of ever wanting to do that. So, I mean, she must think she has a sprinter in here. And the fact that we're going to seven here, and like, like you mentioned, I mean, this is obviously a massive day. You could, you could just go ahead and and run this horse uh, in the feature and run it, run it in the Holy Bowl, and like find out is a mile sixteenth going to cut it. And I don't know if it's the fierceness factor. I don't know if it's, you know, if it's the horse is just smaller and wants to sprint. But uh, surprised that uh, that this is where he ends up. Maybe uh, they, she did say if he does well, they'll, she might consider stretching him out. So we'll see what happens. It's, it's just his general fans of Sri Devo uh, and Constitution, the sire. We'd love to see it happen, but I also trust Sheree knows what the hell she's doing. Third leg of the late pick five, Saturday, February 3rd at Gulfstream Park, race 10. It's the grade three forward gal stakes, which I swear used to be a Kentucky Oaks prep race. It's not this year. It's a seven furlong sprint. We've got seven three-year-old fillies on the dirt. Who's your top pick, buddy? Uh, this is going to be the first of my two singles. So I, I went three by three to start out a $2 ticket, and I'm going to go ahead and single the four horse, R. Harper Rose, in this spot. Uh, it's going to be a step up in class. I think that's the biggest concern here, going from restricted stakes at the Gulfstream level all the way up to uh, all the way up to a grade three. But I think that the cutback in distance is really the key for R. Harper Rose. Much like the last last race I talked about, you know, the, the six cutting back, I think the four really doesn't want to go a mile and a 16th. That's what she went last time out. The reason she was in that was because it was a restricted level stakes race and she could run for $300,000. Um, I think that what she wants is one turn, specifically the six and a half to seven for long distance. One time she's gone seven. She absolutely dominated. She's three for four here at Gulfstream Park. I realize there's some other horses coming in, but I think her best effort, and you can see it three back there at Gulfstream going five and a half, is as good as anybody's in here. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to go with the four as a single here with our Harper, our Harper Rose. So I think it's going to be able to take them gate to wire. I passed on her. Uh, I, when I saw that she was in the field, I was like, okay, I'm going to, without even seeing the PPs for the other horses, I was like, I'm going to try to beat this filly because I'm, I'm sure that she's going to be bet heavily. So when I saw two to one, I was like, yes. As someone who's trying to beat her, I'm excited about that. You make a great case for her. Safi Joseph said after the, the last uh, sire stakes, that the one that she lost, that she had gotten sick. She'd missed some work, so he wasn't sure if you know she was going to fire, and clearly she didn't. And then you see that the work three back going four furlongs and 45 and four. It's like, Jesus, this horse Quick little lady, has got man. some speed. Yep. Little a little, little bit of giddy up in that uh, in that pony there. Uh, I am a little worried about, from a pace perspective, I feel better going against our Harper Rose because of the two, Fiona's magic. Uh, she's got Tyler Gaffleyon aboard, a very smart jockey. I don't think Gaffleyon's ever going to let our Harper Rose get away. Even if she outbreaks the two, uh, I assume that the two is just going to be stuck right there. Um, I will say, if there is a scratch of either the two or the four, I'm ad absolutely adding one of those, especially if the two scratches, I think our Harper Rose becomes very deadly with the lone pace advantage. But the way it's set up right now, 
I'm going to try and beat her. First horse I'm going to try and beat her with is the five, Nikitas. Five to one on the morning line. Debuted on turf for Chad Brown. Damn sire is the factor. You absolutely understand why she would try going on to turf there. Didn't work out. They switched her to dirt. She missed winning at seven furlongs this distance by a head to a horse named Alpine Princess. Alpine Princess then went and won the untappable stakes at fairgrounds and is targeting the grade two Rachel Alexander in two weeks where she will likely be a heavy favorite. So she's got some class there. I also went with the number seven, Whit Waters Rand at nine to two. And this is a horse that also brings some class. She won two of three on the Woodbine Synthetic, including the grade three Mazarine Stakes, so graded stakes winner. I think cutting back from a mile and the 16th, which on the Synthetic is one turn at Woodbine, Cutting back to the seven furlongs, I think, is still going to be very good for her. She's got the talent. She's got the class. She has good breeding. The only question mark is the surface. But, again, if I'm trying to beat R. Harper Rose, who's going to be, uh, if not the favorite, the co-favorite in this spot, I'm willing to take a shot with uh, Whitwater's Rand. And she kind of reminds me a little bit of what Mark Cassie, her trainer, did with Wonder Goddard, where he's like, well, got this great horse on the synthetic. Let's try her on the dirt. I just hope that she doesn't have the same... Uh, Seconditis that Wonder Goddard seemed to have quite a bit, but she still got two wins to her career and three starts. That's a good good angle so far. That is a good angle. And Nikitas, I'm I'm surprised you're using this horse. We just joked last week about Chad Brown in dirt races, <laughs> and, and here you are coming right back to Chad Brown uh, in a dirt race. I I couldn't get to Nikitas, especially when it takes four efforts to break the maiden. I was just like, nope, not, not Chad Brown. Shorter price, no thanks. Uh, Whitwater's Waters Rand, I thought was very interesting. This was the 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 if I wasn't going to single the four, the seven was going to be the next one on the ticket for me. I think the six scalable makes a ton of sense as well. A lot of people are going to use it. Um and it really comes down to ticket structuring here, right? If I'm gonna play a two dollar ticket, which is what I if I'm using fierceness in the last, I'm not playing a fifty cent ticket, right? That's just my general style. And so because of that, it means that I'm gonna slow I'm gonna narrow down other races here. And to me, you can't use the four and the six if you're narrowing down if you're having fierceness as your only horse in the last. So then you kind of decide between the two. And then the question is, do you want to double up your ticket price with the seven as the the partner to the four or the six? And I when it came down to it, if if Whitwaters ran beats me, then then so be it. I mean, I, I think this is probably from a value perspective, a decent horse to play. Like this is a to me, that's the tournament horse in this race, right? You're getting nine to two versus the three horses of the inside, or I think the other three logicals, or Fiona's music, who I think is going to be really kind of screwed by our Harper's Rose, right? If Fiona's music and Harper's Rose is in there, or Fiona's magic, I'm sorry, and our Harper's Rose is in there, you gotta like our Harper Rose, and so you you kind of throw Fiona's magic out in that spot, so it becomes Whitwater Rand as a, a tournament horse. I just I couldn't get there. I, I couldn't. I, I it's the lack of the surface effort, and I, I I trust Cassie. I think he knows what he's doing. I think Paco's a good pickup for this horse because you're going to be in good position and be able to sit outside the speed and get first run on them. Hopefully, be in front of scalable so that you make scalable catch you down the lane if you are able to get past the leaders. Uh, but I decided to go single here versus uh, versus spreading out. I'm also hoping that because uh, I looked at this thinking it's going to be a pace duel and the four is not going to be able to make it all the way to the wire on the front end. Whitwater's Rand projects to be sitting, like you said, right behind the top two there. So I like that as well. I did throw Scalable on here as well. I, she just it is by far the class of this field. And there are some classy horses, in, including the four R. Harper Rose. But a Scalable, off of a one-start maiden race that she did not win, goes to the grade two chandelier trying to make it into the Breeders' Cup. She gets second. Big effort for her, especially going two turns, and she's a spites town. And then she rallied from last of 12 and got fifth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. I don't think anybody, including us, thought that Scalable had a chance. She was 33-1 to that day. But 
a good effort to be closing passing tired horses showed interest coming from off the bat uh, off the back end there and then last out she did exactly what she should have done it was a one mile race there were three other horses in there and she beat the piss out of them at three to five so that was a good effort that tells me all right we're one turn dirt we're in the good spot we've got her made and broken now we can be a little bit more logical with it and, and Pletcher even said he got a little ambitious with scalable uh, back then but no it's shit. also I, I don't blame him for it because of the state of the the division like yep. the juvenile Phillies division going if you remember we were just like if it's not Awful. Tamara who the hell is it and of course it yep. wasn't Tamara so um, I understand the aggressiveness. I think this is a very perfectly spotted position for her. But again, I'm looking at this going two and four are going to burn each other out and not sustain it. If you think that the two or the four could win this on the front end, you should not be using scalable because she needs a big old pace meltdown to help her with her uh, closing style. Yeah, and I think the four clears the two. We'll see if they're able to. I mean, two of the, the races, the two's running, they've gone 46 second halves. One of the two, she wasn't on the lead. So I'm, I'm hoping that the four clears the two here and goes gate to wire. If the four and the two cook each other, I, I think the seven and the six are both incredibly logical. All right, the penultimate leg of the Gulfstream Park, late pick five on Saturday, February 3rd. Race 11, it's the grade three Kittens Joy Stake. We got nine three-year-olds going a mile and the 16th on the turf course here. A couple more Breeders' Cup horses showing up. Where are you going on top? I am uh, going to put a horse on top last time. I did not again. I'm going to go with Ag Agate Road here on top. The four-horse uh, Pletcher, Jose Ortiz. I think this sets up beautifully. You've got enough speed in here that I think it's going to be tough for Takayo or Takoyo, whatever, to go gate to wire again, the three-horse like he did last time. Uh, and Aggie Road should get a better trip. I mean, last time, three-path on the first turn was six wide heading into the lane in a six-horse race. I mean, it took some a special effort to be able to find some trouble there. Uh, this horse ran well in the Breeders' Cup, ran well in the Pilgrim, being able to get that win. Looks very good in a maiden-breaking score at Saratoga. Now we get second off a layoff uh, for a horse that Pletcher's Barn is incredibly high on going into the season. So I think that uh, Agate Road brings the A game here and the four is able to get it done. Did you go that direction or you go somewhere else? I did, so I actually initially left Agate Road off when I saw the prices come out. for the, I had him on, saw the prices, thought, I can't do this, took him off, added him back on at the last second at 4-1. to one. Uh, man, I, I know he was up against it pace-wise last time out, but I also felt like he kind of dicked around a little bit when he should have been going. And then there's also the fact that the, the Ortiz brothers share the same agent, but Irad has left this horse to stay on noted. And mm -hmm. that kind of took me out of it a little bit, but you mentioned two for two at the distance, that really nice pilgrim race, a, a good fifth in the Breeders' Cup juvenile turf, considering who he was facing. But I did use him. I did end up putting him on here. This is the last horse that made the ticket for me. Um, my top pick is going to be the number nine noted. And, you know, five turf starts, three wins, two seconds. The two seconds were by a half length on debut and by a nose in the grade two bourbon. And you remember, I read infamously opted to ride noted over fierceness in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, uh, which Pletcher, again, I think was looking at, like, the juvenile turf is going to be Aiden O'Brien. Let's put noted in the juvenile because we don't know who's going to win. Pletcher didn't even know because nobody in the barn knew what the hell was wrong with fierceness in the champagne stakes. But... He keeps the mount unnoted when noted goes back to turf for the pulpit, gets the win. He overcame the eight post there going seven and a half furlongs, which is a much quicker run to the first turn than the nine post at a mile and a 16th. So the post doesn't worry me here. And again, just the effect that Irad is here on this one and his left agate road kind of is why he ended up being my top pick. And you didn't use noted at all. I'm curious. Is it just the price? Is that why? Uh, the price of the fact that like, yeah, all everything you're saying is correct. 
but if you look at from just a, from numbers perspective, he doesn't tower over this field. It's none of those sure. races are, are like, oh no, he should be the favorite. And you know what? He is going to be the favorite. Eight to five is a pipe dream. You're probably looking at even money when they break out of the gate in my mind. And I don't, I don't want to be dealing with a horse breaking out of the nine post at even money, carrying second highest weight in the race, who I think is the same as three or four other horses in this spot. And that that to me was the kind of the determining factor. I agree with you on the Irad fact. It's I would wish he, he had chosen Agate Road over over noted here, but I'm not surprised he did. And I like think the fact that Jose Ortiz shows up and the fact that Agate Road's in this race and Pletcher has them both also tells you he thinks they're right around the same. And yet one's going to be even money, the other's going to be four to one when they break from the gate. So uh, I, I'll I'll go with the higher priced horse and try and get around noted in this spot. Who I think is again going to be pretty heavily singled. And as we go through this sequence, a lot of my decision-making process all goes into the fact that I'm singling the last leg to the most obvious single in the entire sequence. I need to create separation somewhere. And I thought leaving out noted and trying to beat him was one of those spots I could try and do that. Uh, one more horse we agree on here is our fantasy horse that is already on turf because the Mucho Macho Man didn't go his way. But maybe we get five points for First World War winning this spot. Uh, four to one on the morning line. Didn't love that, but I, I kind of understand that. I think he'll at least be very close to four to one, maybe spot on there because noted is in here and will probably take some money. It's a consistent horse. Shown more kick on turf than he did on dirt. So, again, I understand why the connections made this decision. He's going to get a good close stalking trip behind Takayo, I had to listen to different replays to make sure I got there because I was going to say Tokyo, like you're singing, like you're singing in Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, but anytime that I get Brendan Walsh and Tyler Gaffleone, especially on a turf horse, it's always a fun time when you can play those guys. So I will take. Uh, that's why I like First World War. It, his his turf efforts, they're they are good enough with a little bit of improvement to beat this group. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the the argument you, you the question you ask is this a turf horse or a dirt horse? Because if this is a turf horse, First World War should probably be the favorite in this race, which sounds silly, but the dirt numbers are as good as anybody's turf numbers, and his turf numbers are adequate for his first two starts. Uh, did end up running fourth in the Bourbon, lost to Noted, who ran second in that spot, but I I didn't think that was exactly the best spot for him, especially when you factor in the fact that he broke out of the 12 post and being 12 out of 12 at Keeneland and trying to be forwardly placed is a very difficult thing to do on turf. And he clearly got tired um, when he got around to the end of the race. So I, it made sense for me there. Um, I, I think, I think it's also some skill on first world war. Cause this horse should, the breeding says you could do either, but it also says pretty turf here. I mean, it's war front out of a Magli de Oro mare. I, I think the answer is going to be the first world war is a better turf force, which means that this should be a pretty good effort. And you mentioned it. The tactical speed is a big plus for me here as well. When we're talking about agate road, we're talking about noted. They want to come from way off it. This is not a turf course that you want to come from way off it and try and win a race. And, and first world war is going to be a little more forwardly placed as is uh, the other horse I used here. The two horse Edgar town, uh, who's coming out of the, the uh, Diana beach who, Lost to both the three and the four last time out, but that was first time in the barn for Grand Motion. That was also first out in 2024. Now we're getting second off layoff, second time in the barn. I think you're going to just see a much better effort from this horse. I, I when I go went back and watched that race, it just looked like a tired racehorse coming around the end. I thought felt like you needed to to tighten this one up a little bit. I'm hoping that race tightened it up, and I'm I like the fact that we just said okay off this race where we ran okay but not great. We're going to wheel right back and go back into stakes company. That tells me the motion thinks highly of this horse, and that maybe my my presumption there that he needed that race is correct. So I'll take uh, ten to one on the two Edgar Town as well. 
Uh, I went back and forth about which of the long shots to use, and I don't hate Edgar Town, but that effort in the Dania Beach, I was like, God, he just when it, when it was time to go, everybody else went, and he just kind of like was one paced in the stretch there, and I didn't really like that from him. But you're right, it, it, first time with motion, maybe motion's got him a little bit tighter, a little bit re more ready for this uh, for this position. I ended up going just to his inside, the real horse Hammerstein uh, for Brian Lynch. Uh, who's just we saw what he's been doing now there's no Luis Saez which would make you go well they're 50% chance of it winning here but still uh <laughs> Hammerstein is going to pick up Junior Alvarado for the mount after Castellano is going to be at New York to ride in the Wither Stakes this weekend uh this is a horse that I you know first time out he was on dirt he faced Nash Nash you know ended up completely romping out of that spot hasn't done a whole lot since then but hey maybe Nash is just a sprinter and we find that kind of finding out the hard way there Hammerstein when he switches over to the turf He's by Oscar performance, so you know that that's going to be a good spot for him. I really like that improvement, not only going dirt to turf, but stretching out to two turns. I think he's going to save ground, be a bit more forwardly placed than some of these other horses in this field, and come flying with a run. Uh, maybe we can see Junior Alvarado pull a uh, pull a Ryan Moore and just skirt up the rail and get up there for the win. So I'm going with it at 15-1, to 1, and I got the Doc seal of approval right there. All right. Yeah, I was a little surprised that... Uh... I was a little surprised that this horse isn't a little bit short of a price mm -hmm. just because I, I thought the, the way that that Hammerstein closed that race, the last specifically the last, uh, what is it? Two and a half furlongs coming home in, in 28 seconds, I thought was pretty good. Um, so I, I, th that to me is one of those where if you can take a step forward off that one, it's a pretty big step forward that, that Hammerstein is a player. So I, I don't hate the use here, especially at the price. As Shadi mentions, it's a battle of the fantasy horses. We have First World War. Jared has noted the difference there. When we drafted First World War, he'd already done well on dirt uh, and was going to, you know, going to stay on dirt at least for one start. Noted shows right back up here on turf. I did end up also using Takeo here, and, and I originally was a play against him because I thought he's going to be a total wedding funeral situation. If he stays eight to one, and now I'm getting Luis Saez aboard for the first time as the horse that's projected to have the lead. I don't think First World War is with him going to the first turn. I think he sits off just a little bit. If Takeo gets left alone, like he was last time out in the Dania Beach Stakes, you've got Luis Saez aboard. Tell me why he doesn't go gate to wire here. He's dangerous again. I mean, if, if yeah. he gets left alone. Now, I mean that yes. that was that was really left alone. Twenty five fifty is is another world of alone, <laughs> right? I don't know if we're gonna get get that much uh much lack of day or get, get that horses that are that lack of days clearly just because like even first world war can go 46 to the half so first world war sees that type of pace you'd hope that gaff leon's like no no I'm, I'm just gonna go by you and take it take take the lead into the turn we'll see if that happens but yeah the fact that size picks up the mounts i think is a huge positive for takeo uh, and again i was gonna go against him and had agate road on and then i saw eight to one it's like i got i've got to use that now i know that the goldstream park morning line hasn't been perfect so far this meet with Brian uh, Nato doing it. But, man, if I get close to 8-1, to one, I'll take it. Fifth and final leg of the late pick five Saturday, February 3rd at Gulfstream Park. Race 12 is the grade three Holy Bull Stakes, a Kentucky Derby prep race where everybody other than Fierceness is running for second. Mike and I singled it. We talked about it. He's 3-5 to five on the morning line. No shocker there. A 7-3 cold exacta feels good with Otello with the way, as well as he ran last time out uh, to yep. break the maiden. Um I, I could see it happening here. So when he gets up for a second, but I just, you look at this field, Mike, and unless you think he's going to completely fall apart, like he did in the champagne and the weather's not supposed to be, uh, you know, a, a downpour like he had that day. I do not, 
I could not make a case for anyone beating him or how he even loses this race. Uh, that's the problem. I, I mean, like, eh, let's say he's 80% of himself. He's still better than this field. And and I, I don't think you're going to see him fully cranked up from Pletcher here. I think you're going to get a lesser version of fierceness. And I, that's what we've seen from Pletcher with these type of horses. And so, uh, look, if I, if I try and get around him, to me, Hades is the one I go for, the inside rail or Otello, mm-hmm. one of the two. Otello is going to be coming from off the pace. See, Fierceness has tactical speed, too. It's not like Fierceness is like Forte, where you're just like, okay, he's coming from the clouds or whatever. You know, like this is a horse that can sit close to the pace and be able to then kick on. I don't see anyone who can run away from him. And Hades and, and the two horses, the two that, that have in early speed that are going to try and, okay, can we create separation? I think they end up just kind of hooking up and setting up beautifully for Fierceness to sit right behind the two of them. And then it's, you know, does one of them hold and, and where does Otello come from? But um, yeah, I mean, like this, this was a horse I was looking forward to trying to beat. And then you look at who's trying to beat him and you realize you're in his corner because there is just there's not much in this race outside of fierceness. Shadi says she's uh, manifesting chaos by trying to fade the champ. And yeah, I'm with Doc. A lot of us are. We want to try and fade. And, and you mentioned it already that like if you're going to try to beat him, this is the race to beat him when he's coming off of a little bit of a layoff. But it, either of his races where he wasn't in an absolute deluge downpour, you know, storm in the middle of a race, any of those races just absolutely smoke this field. So we're going to roll with fierceness on this spot. I've got a Tello in second. Sounds like you might as well. How about third? Let's give out a cold trifecta here just to try and make this last longer than two minutes to talk about this race. I was 7-3-2. So uh, the two was the third horse for me. Irad picks up the mount for Jane Sabelli. Uh, horse ran, I thought, pretty well. Was trying to close, but didn't really get space early enough in the Mucho Macho Man. Irad decides to run back in this spot. I think that's a positive as well. The price is 12-1. to 1. Um, So you're getting the right price. A horse that should be able to take care of the distance. So uh, I, I think that the the three is the price I like the most. Um, I looked at the five a little bit, but I just couldn't get there. I don't think the five is going to be able to hang on. So I, from a from a price perspective, I wanted someone that was double digits, and to me, the two made the most sense. Yeah, the two is a good option. The one is a good option. He's undefeated in two starts. Major step up, but you know d- does have that going for him. Um, <clears throat> I. I Kind of looked at the six domestic product, but it's Chad Brown. It's also a practical joke horse. And it, it feels like he's here because Chad's just trying to figure out some way to get him some kind of derby points. Maybe he can, you know, do something there. C Streak, I thought, is interesting, especially because he's 20 to 1 here and he was 9 to 1 when he lost by three quarters of a length to Otello in First World War. Not a great horse, and, and it's questionable to see what he can do at two turns, but. He always gives a great effort, and he outruns, you know, definitely outran his odds last time. It was first-time blinkers. So, for for a price, I'll go seven, three, eight for my uh, for my cold trifecta here. I, I wish C Street didn't have the eight post. That like because I think if 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 you flip Hades and C Street, I'm a little more interested in C Street, just because then you don't have to worry about being the third wide speed yeah. into the first turn, which is kind of what this feels like for C Street. Is that like? You, you could battle, but like even if you battle, what are you going to do? It just it really feels like fierceness just gets the perfect trip, and Otello is the one who comes and picks up the pieces, and then you're guessing what speed horse is able to hold on for third. D- Dancing Groom the four also feels like a, one of those. Antonio Sano always has like one horse on the Derby Trail that he runs all the time. He's almost like the the, the Venezuelan D Wayne Lucas. He just runs the hell out of him and puts him in all sorts of spots over their head. 
And once in a great while, that blind squirrel finds a nut and can get up there for, you know, hit the board if not win it outright. I don't think he'd... He's going to need five horses to fall down, at least in this. Well, he's probably going to need about seven of them to fall down if he wants to win. But it wouldn't. if you wanted to use him, I'm not going to say don't use him underneath because it, it's he's bred to go two turns. Other than fierceness, you know, he's there's nobody super scary here, right? I, whatever. I mean, outside of fierceness, there you could, you could make a case for any of these horses running second. Dancing Groom would be the hardest, but you could yeah. make a case for any of these third, horses. Third second. for Dancing Groom. Yeah, put him in third, maybe, instead of, instead of second. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to talk about the late pick five Saturday, February 3rd at Gulfstream Park. We'll give out our tickets one last time for the audio listeners. If you're taking, watching on video, take a look down below. <clears throat> I'll read them off right now. My ticket for 50 cents, I'm going to go 1367 with 27, with 567, with 13469. Nice. With seven, that's $60. If you wanted to cut it down and press it harder, single legalize is what I would do in the second leg there. But yeah, that's my ticket, Mr. Summage. I'm going to play a $2 ticket here. I'm going to go 167 with 467, with four, with 246, with seven. Uh, two bucks, that'll cost you $54 in total. Uh, over at RacingDudes.com, you know we've got previews for all four of the Kentucky Derby prep races. You can see, of course, Fierceness is all over the place there. Uh, the Robert B. Lewis Stakes with Nysos probably going to win and romp in that spot. Southwest Stakes and Wither Stakes, that's where it gets really dicey. So you can check out Aaron's picks and previews for that. If you want picks for Mike and I in our top four for these and for the four Derby preps, as well as all 12 races on the Gulfstream Park card, check out the Betting Bible. That's right. Not only do you get all 12 races at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, but you're going to get everybody's picks for the Southwest, the Withers, and the Robert B. Lewis. They're also the guys for their Banquel article are including those three races possibly as well. So go check that out over at RacingDudes.com. And, Mike, what are you going to do this weekend? There's no Super Bowl. There's no football game this week. Do you just talk about prop bets? Like, what are you going to do on VEASAN? Oh, it's funny you mentioned that. I have a two-hour prop special on VEASAN. So, 4 to 6 <laughs> Pacific, 7 to 9 Eastern on uh, both DraftKings Network and VEASAN. We'll be talking every NFL prop you could ever imagine because we'll be talking props uh, full, full, for a full two hours. So, it'll be a very busy show on the prop side there. Everything from uh, yardage props to head-to-head -head props for players, first touchdown, uh, anytime touchdown score, as well as Gatorade color, anthem length, all that fun stuff. So going to be a prop of Palooza there on Saturday. Uh, and then Sunday, start talking more about the game, talk about some of the bets we like for the week, uh, and then look at futures for next year already, since we already have draft odds, division odds, and futures. So we'll see what happens there. It's going to be a, a less busy weekend than what we've had to than what we've gone through in the last few weeks, but still a fun one nonetheless. Uh, I know that you specifically really have – in the past have dived Dovin, whatever you have been able to dive you like to dive into the anthem times uh that's a fun prop bet for me as well so uh very curious to see what you think about check out mike on the visa network follow us on twitter i'm at curtis kellward he's at summer bomb 18 number one number eight corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes by the way blinkers off will be on some point later today i don't know if they actually have it scheduled no, let me fine. check real quick to see <laughs> if it is scheduled it's not well some point tonight They'll be on for Blinkers Off. You can find us and the Blinkers Off guys on podcasts, wherever you download your podcasts. And, of course, if you want to be alerted anytime we go live, subscribe to YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes. Click that notification bell, and you'll get alerted whenever somebody goes live on this channel. Speaking of which, we'll be live on Saturday covering all four Kentucky Derby prep races, plus possibly the Martha Washington Kentucky Oaks prep race. Not sure on the times of that. Still need to figure that out. But tons of fun at the Racing Dudes YouTube channel. Tons of fun with Mike Samich on the VSIN channel. 
We'll be back on Monday to talk about everything that happened. I'm sure plenty of updates and hopefully a couple of bomb prices and some celebrating to do. But until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, everybody. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.